find yourself in a world that no longer makes sense. When you realize that a man like Epstein didn't Epstein himself. When the police are defunded, but Pakistan gets a gender studies grant. You may be in the Collapse Experiment. And in this episode of the podcast, we are going to be talking about the death of Duncan Lemp. A uh, forgotten name now. Somebody who uh, meant something for a very short period of time to a lot of people, but was overlooked by um, racial discrepancies. The year was 2020. And uh, if you are familiar with it, yeah, it was a uh, very interesting time. For me, my uh, second daughter was born in February. Uh, There were rumors of uh, a certain disease making its way to the U.S. And um, before we knew it, there were these things called lockdowns taking place. Uh, black people were being shot in the streets, and um, there was one story. Uh, one man who was 21 years old, living in Maryland, and um, was raided by the police at 4.30 in the morning with a no-knock warrant, and um, was shot and killed through his bedroom window. And uh, this is me trying to piece together what exactly happened that night. So who is Duncan Lemp? He was a 21-year-old computer programmer, had a bright future ahead of him, was uh, very interested and working in Bitcoin, uh, had a portfolio, was was looking towards the future, Uh, started two or three companies, uh, that he was working on nonstop. Uh, lived at home with his parents, his younger brother, and his pregnant girlfriend. Uh, his room was a garage converted into a bedroom. It was a separate section of the house, had its own entryway. And that will come into play later in this podcast. So you can still find video footage of Duncan on YouTube where he is discussing Bitcoin, uh, the future, uh, where this might be leading money and um, economics. And uh, he definitely had an idea. And I'm wondering if it was those ideas that had gotten him killed. So not only did he have an interest in Bitcoin, a decentralized form of uh, currency, but uh, he also became a fan of the Second Amendment. Uh, there are photos, and I'm, I'm hearing, I can't confirm it because I don't have a Facebook account, but a video of him hanging out with, uh, it's either Three Percenters or Boogaloo Boys. So several news outlets report that he was um, hanging out with three percenters, going to gatherings on the weekends, uh, shooting rifles, training, practicing archery, talking about the Second Amendment over a, a nice brunch. And then others are reporting that he was part of the Boogaloo Boys, 
there's more confirmation on that. It looks like, according to uh, Duncan's Instagram account, that he was looking into creating some type of secure platform for members of the Boogaloo to interact with each other, have conversations, actually be an organized group. Uh, this was not long after the Boogaloo Boys had their Facebook page and group removed from the platform because censorship is cool, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know. So how did the police end up uh, focusing on Duncan? Doesn't sound like he was uh, exactly... A dangerous man he's got no prior convictions no previous arrest record although the uh, sheriff's department uh, seems to think otherwise and yes we'll get that to that again later three months prior to the raid on Duncan's house an anonymous tip came in anonymous some rando off the street contacted the police and said Hey, there's this guy, and and he owns guns. That that was that was pretty much it. That that's all that was said. They were concerned because he owned guns, you know, uh, a Second Amendment right. So uh, yeah, the the rando who's never been identified uh, goes to the sheriff's department, makes this <sighs> tip. To the police, which leads them to investigate Duncan, in which case, according to a report that was released after the raid, they noticed that he had a rifle that looked like it could possibly have been illegal. Wow, that 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 warrants a, a SWAT team going into a house at 4.30 in the morning without identifying themselves and killing him next to his pregnant girlfriend. Yes, um, some random person on the street going to the police and saying these things is <laughs> justification for that. So anyways, uh, Duncan did own a rifle that was a Israeli model. The police thought that it was fully automatic, which of course, uh, due to laws put in place during the Reagan administration, fully automatic weapons are illegal for the public to own. This, however, after shooting Duncan, uh, was confirmed to be a semi-auto, perfectly legal rifle. Huh. It's like they killed a guy for nothing. So there's several problems with the raid in question. One is the ability for them to get a warrant under these circumstances. Uh, it was obviously not warranted. The Sheriff's Department still claims that it was illegal for Duncan to own these firearms because of a previous felony conviction from when he was a minor. According to state law, he's not allowed to own a firearm until the age of 30, I believe. It's either 30 or 31. And, um, of course, Duncan was 21. However, there's, there's no record of him ever being convicted of a felony. Uh, of course, they're claiming, well, my, documents of minors are sealed. And the family's like, yeah, we would have known if he was going to court, if he was in juvie. We would have known. <laughs> 
How does he get convicted of a felony? And the parents and the rest of the family have no idea what's going on in Duncan's life. I'm not saying it isn't possible. There are those shitty parents out there, but this doesn't seem to be the case. So the sheriff's department has yet, two years later, to provide any evidence that it was illegal for Duncan to possess any firearms. There's, there's absolutely no evidence of that whatsoever, has not been provided. Uh, the attorney for Duncan's family has been requesting this, and it's just, it's never appeared. Yeah, it's, it's a bullshit statement. I think, I think overall they just threw it out there so that the media would report on it. And then it would just become a fact with the public and it would just, it'd be a story that just died. Oh, he wasn't supposed to own those. So like, I guess they should have shot him, uh, which is really the mentality of people these days. Unless, unless Duncan was black. And that's where I'm going to get to the Brianna Taylor story, which happened around the same time. You know, there was a big fuss about a no-knock warrant being done on Brianna Taylor's apartment Police had confirmation that drugs were being delivered to this location. Brianna's name was also attached to a car that was found with a dead body in the trunk. How does this get overlooked? I don't understand. But hey, you know, even, even if a dead body is found in the trunk of a car that your name is linked to, that doesn't mean that the cops should just assume that you're a threat. <laughs> Come on. Uh, yeah, so Brianna Taylor happens, and the world is in an uproar. And for a very, 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 very short period of time, there was a unification between what some would call the white supremacist movement, which really is just a bunch of dudes that like to hang out, have beer, eat hot dogs and hamburgers, shoot guns, and um, talk about how they love being an American. But um, yeah, that's, I guess, white supremacy. Oh, while wearing Hawaiian shirts or something that says, like, uh, Second Amendment rules, you know, on their, on their T-shirt. Um, anyways, those guys and the Black Lives Matter people actually started meeting up at these protests, these anti-police protests, to say, like, we don't believe in these no-knock warrants. This is all bullshit. Uh, some people are waving banners with uh, Brianna Taylor's name on it. Others are waving them with Duncan Lump. And, um, yeah, there's, there's just one of those names that just kind of uh, disappeared. So, um, as for Duncan... The police have, unfortunately, released for them uh, three versions of how the raid went down, which uh, is uh, very concerning. Like, how do they not know how the raid went down? Especially if you're releasing an official statement. And then they've released three official statements. It's almost like, kind of reminds me of the Bin Laden raid. <laughs> and again, I'm just going to reiterate... I don't think the Bin Laden raid happened. At least, I don't think we killed Bin Laden. I think it was a, something totally different. I think they made that shit up just so that Obama would get reelected. Uh, yeah. So this is very similar circumstances to where the, the police just keep changing their story. They're like, oh, wait, uh... Shit, that one sounds bad. Uh, uh, change this. Change, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that happened instead. <laughs> so, 
So there's three different stories. Uh, one involves Duncan meeting them at the door with the gun, refusing to take orders, and they shoot him. Weird. Uh, another one is that uh, Duncan got out of bed, grabbed for his rifle. They gave him commands to get on the ground, and uh, he didn't. Therefore, they shot him. So uh, there's all these different variations of the story, but I think there's one very important detail that has been overlooked. So you have a SWAT team that's looking to raid a house. You have one target, Duncan Lump. And he's in a completely separate, isolated part of the house. Granted, there's a door that goes to the the main section of the house, the, the living room slash kitchen. But then you have another door that goes directly outside. So if you wanna if you want to secure the suspect and the evidence that you claim that he has, that you want to secure, why would you go to the front door of the house that's on the other side of the, the structure. Why would you have your main team set up there? Then you have another guy set up outside the window of the bedroom to keep a lookout on him. Why wouldn't the team be at the door that goes directly into the room to secure and isolate the environment? You can go into the rest of the house later. No one else in the house is listed on the warrant. Right? So why would you have your main force far away from the suspect? You've got one guy at the window who ends up shooting Duncan as he's getting out of bed. And yet, no one is asking the question, why did they not breach the door that goes directly into the bedroom? Because here's how they say it, it played out, okay? The main SWAT team is at the front door of the house. They release a flashbang. That's when the family is woken up. Allegedly, the police identify themselves, even though it's a no-knock warrant, but they are claiming we identified ourselves. The family's saying they never identified themselves. Who are you going to believe? And then, as Duncan is getting up because there's a flashbang, they shoot him while he's getting out of bed. Through the, through the bedroom window. They don't enter through his bedroom door. The door that goes outside where they could have directly confronted him in the room and secured him, cuffed him, secured the area. Because the whole point of a no-knock warrant is to make sure that evidence isn't destroyed. Now, of course, that leads us to the next question of how the hell, if somebody, if Duncan was to find out somehow that the SWAT team was coming to his house, how do you destroy firearms? How does he flush them down the toilet? I mean, that's the whole point of these no-knock warrants was so that drug dealers couldn't flush the evidence down the toilet. So that leads to another question. Why why a no-knock warrant? Why on this guy? He doesn't possess anything. They think that he has an illegal rifle. And for some reason, they need a no-knock warrant to secure the rifle. And the more you look at it, and the more that you look at how they put this all together, why or how they raided the house, 
it's almost like the sole purpose of the raid itself was to just uh, <clears throat> get rid of Duncan. And I don't think the rifle was the reason why they were there. I think it was an excuse. He had something on social media. They could point to that as a justification for going into the house. But why is it they secured his 3D printer, his computers, and then, of course, all of his firearms and ammunition, which none of them were illegal. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's uh, very interesting how um, there's three videos um, of the SWAT team going through the house after the shooting. And they keep pointing at different stuff like, here's another rifle. Here's a, more ammunition. And they're pointing to it like, haha, jackpot, we got him. None of this stuff was illegal. The 3D printer, not illegal. The rifle in question, not illegal. So, again, I guess the main question is, why did they get this warrant? So, that leads me to the website that Duncan was creating for the Boogaloo Boys. Could have been for others. Maybe that was just an example of what he was doing. He could have had different chat rooms for Boogaloo, Three Percenters, whoever it is that you are, right? But he was working on this website, the other thing that he was also working on was Bitcoin. And this is just a theory that I'm working on so far, but perhaps somebody, somebody out there was very concerned that this young man could have found a way for, oh, I don't know, patriots to fund themselves through something that is not regulated through the government and it's not illegal. Bitcoin is not illegal. A secure platform where they can communicate? And this guy is making money on Bitcoin? <gasps> God, let's put a stop to that. So the lawsuit with the uh, Lemp family is still go ongoing. Uh, the lawyer uh, in question for the family has been on a few podcasts lately giving updates, trying to keep the story alive. Um... Uh, and as I've said, they've, they've never released any evidence that it was illegal for Duncan to own firearms, which is the whole purpose of the warrant. That's, that's weird and that's concerning. Um, but I have to say, my main question goes back to why did they not just breach the door to the bedroom? Especially if they knew it was only Duncan and his pregnant girlfriend in the room. And she, by the way, was injured because, uh, of course, after they, they shoot her, her baby daddy next to her <laughs> while she's in bed, they barge into the bedroom through the house. They go through the house and go in through that door instead of the one going outside. They grab her, throw her on the ground in broken glass to cuff her and make sure she's not going anywhere because she's a threat. Yeah. Um, so my all my questions go back to that door, which, by the way, had a booby trap on it. And I think it was more of a security alarm measure. It was a shotgun shell attached to a trip wire so that if the door was pulled open, it would go bang. Didn't have a bullet in it, didn't have buckshot. 
It was a blank. So it was designed to wake him up so that he could react if somebody tried breaking into the house. And the only reason that I can think that the SWAT team wouldn't use a direct line of entry to secure a subject is because they knew the door was booby-trapped, and how would they know that the door was booby-trapped? So that leads me to two theories. One is that somebody in the house was the anonymous tip, which doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense with the lawsuit, because then the... uh, Sheriff's Department would just be able to come back and say, like, well, you're the one that told us he was doing this. And that hasn't happened. So, again, we don't know who the anonymous tip is. And the police won't say who the information came from. Which leads me to my other theory of, uh, hmm, there's this previous program with the NSA where they do these massive data collections. Because there was a police report released after the shooting stating that once they once they searched Duncan's cell phone after the shooting, notice how it's all after the shooting. Well, we found these conversations between him and his mom through text messaging where he's talking about booby trapping the door. Hmm, really? You found it after the shooting? You, you heard about these conversations after the shooting? Are you sure it was after? Because it's very convenient that you knew not to go through the door to begin with. Oh, look at that, yo. Because according to the police story, they didn't know about the booby trap until after the girlfriend said something to the cops saying, don't go through the door, it's booby trapped. So then they come through the house and go in through that door and then they find the booby trap on the second door. But again, they, they didn't use that door. They knew Duncan was in the room, and they didn't use that door. So yeah, um, a lot of questions. A lot of questions here when it comes to Duncan. Like, how affiliated was he with the three percenters and the Boogaloo? What did he really know about Bitcoin? Was the raid really about firearms, or was that just an excuse? Because, uh, like I said, he didn't own anything that was illegal, and they haven't proven that it was illegal for him to own it. So, um, that, in a nutshell, is the story of Duncan Lump. I'm still digging into this, but I think the truth is in the details, the small details, and uh, I'm going to try to work through those. And see what I can piece together, see what I can find, and um, hopefully bring you more. Maybe, possibly, we'll get an update with the lawsuit. Because I have a feeling the family is going to... um, I have a feeling if this goes the way that it looks like it's going to go, that they'll never have to work again. But, at the same time, you know, they lost, what... uh, baby daddy a son a brother you know they lost somebody who definitely had a bright future he's not some kid that was living in his parents basement not doing anything so um yeah that is the story of duncan lump the the one guy killed during a no-knock raid that nobody remembers anymore even i had to look it up and i'd like to thank the fbi for putting out that memo 
couple weeks back <laughs> saying, if you remember who Duncan Lump is, you might be a terrorist. Weird. I find it very odd that if you question something that is obviously a little um, effed up to begin with, that uh, they have a problem with it. So, of course, that led me to think, uh, well, there's obviously something here to look into. <laughs> if they're concerned about it, <laughs> there must be something interesting here to look into. And sure enough, there was. And uh, there's more to it. There's definitely more to this story. Um, and I'm very curious to see what else I'm, I'm going to end up finding in the future. And um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm really curious as to what was going on leading up to the raid because, um, you know, he, it, it appeared that he was just very paranoid at one point in time that the government was going to end up coming into his house and killing him. And lo and behold, they proved him right. How does that happen? Uh, not the first time. It probably won't be the last. But um, yeah, that was... Uh, so that is the Duncan Lump story. And as I work on this, I'll give a few more updates and uh, add more detail to it as I am trying to figure all this stuff out. I hope you have all enjoyed this special episode of the Collapse Experiment podcast. And remember, you are the carbon that they are trying to reduce. Thank you for listening to the Collapse Experiment podcast. For more content, check out thecollapseexperiment.com where you can find the latest news articles. If you'd like to help out this podcast, check out books by Matthew Gilman on Amazon. Or you should just buy gold and silver. Just, just buy gold and silver it's it's a better investment and uh you might actually have something to trade later on when the world <laughs> falls apart